welcome back to the Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. And today we are talking about uh, a singleton format. So we'll get into that in a second. Uh, It's a big breakdown. But first, I want to do some shout outs. First off, thank you so much for Wizards. Uh, They provided me with this free uh, Pride uh, Magic the Gathering shirt. And all of the proceeds from it go to the Treasure Foundation. If you want to check this out and get it, you can get it on the MTG Pro Shop. There's links below. But also, Ultra Bro has a bunch of stuff. And then there's also the new Secret Layer um that has the pride the pride secret layer that's that's been released that all the proceeds go to uh the treasure foundation it does a lot of really good work helping kids um in the lgbtq community who are dealing with issues um so check that out and check the links below and thank you wizards and i'll be posting this on the thing it's really cool actually i was like normally like merch shirts are like really itchy materials and you have to like wash it i just put this on out of the bag right before recording and i'm not itching and like, honestly, that could be I can't give a, a higher <laughs> grade of approval to a shirt uh, or anything uh, that I'm not allergic to it because I'm allergic to most things. <laughs> so definitely check it out. And then uh, beyond that, also, uh, you know, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, Channel Fireball. Uh, if you are here you uh, and want to buy cards, you can use the Channel Fireball Marketplace. Use the code at the, uh, the MMCast at checkout um, or just click the link below and you'll be able to get cool cool card stuff and it helps us out they know we sent you and we appreciate it a lot a great great deal indeed indeed thank you guys so much for being here and supporting the show uh, in this new iteration we we love working with channel and it's definitely cool to be able to you know bring you content every single week there's like exciting magic stuff going on to talk about we have two really major things in today's episode to talk about and i'm actually super excited for both um one of them obviously being the singleton format you mentioned we're going to get to that in just a second the other one, of course, being this huge announcement that we have this big magic event coming in Vegas. Um, I, I like want to break some of it down because there's some really big stuff that got announced. And it was kind of a surprise, random announcement. Um, did you see this coming? Like, did you know anything about this? No, absolutely not. I mean, I'm not surprised that like Wizards is getting into the uh, magic event train now that the command fests were as successful as they've been so far um the command fest definitely felt like slapped together and they were partially because they knew this Baldur gate set was coming out and in reality they're more like Baldur's gate limited events but around the command fest concept and bringing both together but i'm not surprised they're bringing a big event with that and then dreamhack did really well so i think i think it's it's not surprising yeah, I mean, you get the World Championship. It's October 28th through the 30th in Vegas. Uh, you know, $100,000 goes to first place for the World Championship. There's going to be a modern tournament that feeds into a top eight beta draft. Uh, we're back at the beta draft again. Alex, I'm doing it this time. I'm going. I'm going to I'm gonna win the beta draft. You, or, or at least I'll make it. This, is, this was the dream from Gen Con a few years ago that I did not qualify for, that our good buddy Michael, uh, host of the show, did qualify for. He got to draft beta. I got to figure out a real deck I can play, um, or maybe I'll maybe I'll just try to go in with a brew. I don't know, but either way, <laughs> either way, my plan is to go um, and be a part of it. There's the command zone, but yeah, it's definitely exciting. It's you know, it feels like MTG Vegas. It feels like the you know a Vegas a Vegas event, a big Vegas event. It's the 30th anniversary. Um, in the years prior to COVID, we used to have a big Vegas event every year. It seemed like. There was one year they didn't have one, but for like the four years prior, something they had one and they were always really fun. They were some of the most fun memories. Um, I'm going to see if I can talk your wife into allowing me to let you go with me um, and see how we can do. I'll even talk a little ash. 
through the glass. Yeah, it, it'll it, it's interesting. I mean, one thing I'm a little sad on is it's like Halloween weekend, so I can't tell if that's a good or a bad thing. Part of me feels like that's going to make it harder for me to go just from a like <laughs> I love Halloween. It's like Ash's first Halloween, so it mm. might be weird, but on the other hand, it might be like we can't go to parties anyways cuz Asher yeah, that's not happening, so Halloween parties aren't a thing and we're not like tri- we'd be trick or treating on that Monday or Tuesday cuz Halloween's actually on the Tuesday. So maybe it's perfect. I don't I, w- I will figure it out as we get closer. Uh, I am going to try to go um, and just partially because it's really easy to get there. Maybe I go for a day, right? Like that's that's always an option as well. Um, the the like return of magic stuff. I mean, that's happened all week, right? For the last month and since basically we were last on is like multiple command fest have happened. The dream hack event has happened and it seems to be have been a really big success. Like a lot of people having fun now there's been and we've talked about this before. There's been like a pushback to the Command Fest concept that I've kind of always said since going to the ones in D.C. a few years ago, which is like these are events that are centered around Commander and Commander alone is still not enough to fully house a magic convention. And what these should be is Command Fest, Magic Fest, which are a command zone plus limited events plus constructed events firing throughout the day to let all magic players of all types intermingle. And this like segmenting of the different sections seems like a recipe for not success when there doesn't need to be. I don't think there needs to be a GP for a magic fest to exist. I don't think there needs, you can just make it a PTQ, right? Or make a PTQ fire every day, which PTQs are back. So that, that I think is the easiest way to do it. And if that's the way they go about it, I think that sounds really great. And that's kind of what this magic 30th feels like a trial run for is like, what is, I guess what I would not be surprised by is if in the long run, Wizards decides that we're going to host a magic convention once a year, and this is the trial run for it, and then it becomes a yearly thing, and they figure out the right time to do it, my guess would be in August, um, because that allows them to make announcements for the year at that same event, but we'll, we'll see what it ends up being. Well, I'm definitely really excited about it. I mean, obviously the beta draft, the fact that it's a modern tournament with a beta draft is about as cool as... For this podcast, this is about as cool as it gets. Um, that's such a such an interesting and fun outcome. And obviously, you know, it's not something they can do very often. They did a handful of those for the 25th anniversary. Uh, and, you know, this one will be, what was it, the 25th anniversary? It couldn't have been the 25th. This is the 30th. Magic 30? 20, in 2022? 30th. It's, the 30th. it's the 30th anniversary. I know, I know but I'm trying to think, what was, so what was the Gen Con one? Gen Con was the 20th. No, that was 2017? No, we were in Gen. That was like 2019, I think. No, it wasn't. 18? I wasn't there in 2019. I was not at Gen Con in 2019. I can confirm that. It was 20. Oh, maybe it was 2018 then. Which is the five. Yeah, because 1993. Oh, yeah. Okay. And this is, got it. Next year is the 30th. This is support. This is supporting the. Yeah, so the 20th the anniversaries are on the threes. I got it. Okay. The 10 year anniversaries are on the threes. And this 30th anniversary is like opening up to yeah, 2023. Like and releasing then, a 2023 car in 2022 kind of thing. Correct. And then and then the five-year anniversaries are on the eights, which is why I was on 2018. Well, it's going to be fun, and I hope to see you guys there. It Definitely check out all the details on the Wizards website. Um, they you know they did a whole full announcement. There was a bunch of creators breaking stuff down on it. In fact, Alex probably, if he hasn't already done a TikTok about it, probably will because he does TikTok. Actually, haven't. Just like I went from I went because there was a trade show. So like for five days, I just was too tired to do anything. And then last night at 
midnight. I, I like made up for five 18, days worth. <laughs> 18 videos at once at midnight. <laughs> um, I had hot thoughts. And, and, and that kind of brings us to the main subject of today's episode. And, 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 uh, there's the uh, Ben said there's two big things to talk about. There's actually three. So there's the three things we're talking about today is one magic 30th anniversary event that's happening this October, um, which we'll you know, we'll be talking about more as we get closer. And uh, the second one is this new format we're working on um, called uh, Highlander TBD. <laughs> we'll get into that or Singleton TBD. We'll get into that in a second. And then the third one is uh, we're in the middle of double masters preview season. There's a bunch of cool cards and it's relevant to the conversation I just mentioned. Plus, obviously, like Artisan which Marshall did a whole episode breakdown for the review for Baldur's Gate last week. Um, so we'll get into that as well. But uh, let's talk about Singleton TBD. So here's the deal. This is where this all started. Uh, I I tweeted, um, Commander is right now the largest entry point to Magic that exists. Uh, and, and probably the largest entry point into Magic that has existed ever. I mean, it's competing with Duels of the Planeswalker plus M10 or Magic Arena. Like, those are the three things. And I think, like, what Game Nights does... And when I talk to people and like how they got into the format magic, you know, commander is the entry point for the game at this point. And the commander decks have kind of confirmed that where they no longer even create entry level product. The main entry level product now is either uh, is either a commander deck or uh, not smash up. What's the um, what's the two packs that mix together format? Oh, oh, oh uh, but not battle bond. Um, the other thing, uh, startup, startup, no, start, jumpstart 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 so it's either jumpstart which is now the new limited product for new players uh that's replacing the theme packs that they were doing they're not doing jumpstart packs uh which makes sense like i think actually jumpstart is one of the best ways to teach someone how to play magic ever created it's such a genius idea great job to the team who came up with that uh and then and then the other intro product is commander decks and so so singleton magic is the main way people are entering uh magic in general and it's surprising to me that a highlander or a singleton one v one format hasn't become a more officially supported way of playing magic and and there's canadian highlander of course has been one of the most popular though it is really an answer to the fact that vintage is basically unplayable and this is the closest to vintage that you can make that makes it a more formal way of playing there they, they tried brawl which is like not they, really but it's closer you know, well, and, and on Arena, it is, right? Like, Brawl is a, like a very well-supported format on Arena that you can play 1v1 singleton magic with a commander, even. Um, and then there's been, like, different tries. We've tried Highlander Gauntlet for, for many years on Arena. There's also Gladiator, which is a non-commander variant with 100 cards, 1v1 format, uh, popularized by Ben Wheeler and the same people that made Canadian Highlander popular, the Loading Ready Run guys and girls and friends. Uh, and so there's ways to do it, but they're all either they're like very reserve list basic and like Canadian Highlander can never become a popular format on a GP level supported event. I personally think, and we can get into the reserve list in a second that I could actually, we're going to get into it now. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that any format that allows reserve list cards in it could ever become a GP pro tour fully supported tournament format in magic. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you look at, if you look at magic's history, because legacy is a great format, it's really fun. I mean, it's debatably, it's debatably fun now, I I guess, but like I've always enjoyed legacy, but legacy has never been able to catch on as a mainstay all the time. GP format. Now it had its SCG circuit, the biggest reason is just because the cost of getting into it, and now it's 10 times higher than it S- was then. SCG had to shut their circuit down because the format became unaffordable for them to fire. 
events at right. a significant size. So just like there wasn't enough dual lands in circulation to be able to support that format. Now, making it singleton versus four player does like multiply the amount of dual lands by four, <laughs> but, but it's still of, not anywhere of, close enough. But the amount of dual lands that, that are in demand now with, with the popularity of Commander way outclassed like there's not even there's nowhere near enough of them and there never will be so look if you have played standard or you've played modern or extended back in the day pioneer any of these formats you know that the high end of a single card in any like publicly supported format by wizards is about 200 bucks that's like the top top end of like a of a card like a jace the mind sculptor in its prime is like 200 bucks or like ren and six gets like 150 tarmogoy some card like that that's like the top that it can possibly get to because at a certain point, it gets reprinted, and you're not playing a deck that's only playing $200 cards. So, you know, the vast majority of your cards are going to be in that, like, 6 to $20 range. And it's a little, it is costly to get in, but there's still a cap. There's still a level that if you're trying to get into it and you're willing to invest, you will cap out at a certain point of how much money you can possibly spend if you're not going for, like, etched foil, foiled out versions. I, I honestly, I think Modern at the moment is currently at the top end of the affordability of a format right where most decks are between 500 and a thousand with a few of the tier one decks being a thousand to two thousand i don't think you can have a format be tournament viable and supported that is a higher price point than that uh and and there's an argument that please in the comments make it so that the algorithm gods uh uh, <laughs> uh benefit us um there's an argument that that's too expensive right i mean i know prof uh, prof uh from Tulane community college has definitely argued that like modern right now is at too high of a price point for it to be um as successful as it could be and so and though so 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 that being said you know that that's one of the limitations with highlander and 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 or uh, uh canadian highlander and one of the benefits with one of the cool things with canadian highlander which is the point system i think is only something you need to use if you are vintage adjacent right like the point system is really complicated and hard to regulate and it and it's really hard to teach new players and to keep track of though if you have a singleton format for, okay, so first let's, let's back up a second. If you don't know what Canadian Highlander is, Canadian Highlander is a hundred card one V one format where every card in magic is legal. All the cards, what they have is a pointless system versus a bandless system. And so different cards are worth so many points and you're only allowed to play with so many points in your deck. So black Lotus is worth five points. Different tutors are worth three points. I'm not going to go through the point list. Uh, we can hopefully provide a link to all of that below. Um, and so if you can only have six points in your deck, if you're going to play Black Lotus, that's your only card you're allowed to play. And and and, and so um, they balance the format that way. And it's really interesting. And it's a cool way to do it. And the reason they have to do that is you can't do what Vintage does, which is restrict cards because it's a singleton format. Every single card you're playing with is restricted. Um, and so that is really cool but what i was looking for is a format that is more viable for tournament play and i do think that the point system alongside dual lands or just reserve list cards being viable make it an unviable format and kind of brings us to the point of why singleton 1v1 is fun because me and ben have played a significant amount of singleton 1v1 we for a long time and we've made episodes on this podcast you've all heard of us talk about it played a format called highlander gauntlet which is extremely high barrier to entry of building six decks that are all singleton amongst each other um all 100 cards uh but from a playability perspective has been one of the most fun formats i've ever played there is something to be said for you know commander has multiple features to it that make it popular they have commanders 
that feel like they represent the deck you're playing with. They have hundred card singleton decks that allow every single game you play to feel totally different and to create a different angle on how you want to go for strategies and which cards are viable to play in the format. Uh, they have the multiplayer aspect, which I think is is the biggest one after uh, Commanders, which is that you have a social environment that gives you the time to build a different strategy, and then you have the 40 life that lets you lean into that. I want to recreate some of that into a modern like tournament s- situation. And so it's take well, the idea after, <laughs> after 10 minutes of talking of, around it is either a 100 card singleton format meant for 1v1 play with 20 life, no sideboard, uh, modern card pool, same ban list or a slightly different ban list, or that exact idea, but just the reserve list is banned. And there is right now on the Discord, we did a whole stream with Rick, who helps uh, edit the podcast two weeks ago. It's on the channel right now, linked below as well. Uh, we do, we have a whole Discord that's been talking about different ways that which one of these two formats would be the best one to do it. And they both have their different advantages. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So like if we're talking about formats that are optimized like they're the whole construction of the deck is optimized to win the game where the sportsmanship is more about i'm going to construct this with because because like you think about the redundancy of cards that are that are going to go into any deck like this and you know if you're dealing with the reserve list as the ban list that means that you're still going to be able to use soul ring and mana crypt you're still going to be able to use demonic tutor and all the things that people use to win so like you know cdh decks there's a lot of like fastest oracle demonic consultation that's like a thing that wins the game a lot of the time right um, are we talking about a format that's going to be primarily blue black? That's going to be all about doing that. You know, is this like, cause those decks don't really utilize their commander as like an essential piece. I mean, some of them use their commander and it matters, but often it's just like, this is a deck that has all of these powerful cards that gets to its win condition, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it doesn't care as much about the fact that it's interacting with three other players as it does with I'm going to play solitaire and win the game when my combo goes off. So if it's not the modern ban list, if it's the reserve list ban list, does the fact that there's such a wide card pool available to you mean that the redundancy is going to be just like people are playing this incredibly small pool of cards? Well, so so a I think that in a hundred if if I don't think you do a ban list, right? I think like well. That that's the point, right? Is if it's reserve list, there's no you start with no ban list. If it's modern, you have two options: you either do modern, no ban list, modern, which I think does sell the format in a cool way, right? That you get to play with all these cards that are on the ban list. I do think there are cards that I would ban. Like personally, my fa- my preferred choice there is like there's like five cards that we can go into a second that I would ban if that was the case. Like the li- the smaller ban list modern, or you just keep it identical to modern. Uh, with with if you go with the reserve list version, which is a, it would be the co- closest to CDH, I do think you get a lot of the CDH metagame brought into it, and you will start having to ban cards. A big card to me in that metagame that I would look at pretty quickly is is Thassa's Oracle, right? Because Demonic Consultation and Tainted Pack are both not on the reserve list. Yeah. Um, and so there are cards that you play in CDH that are different than you would necessarily play in... A 1v1 game, just from a multiplayer perspective, for instance, Ad Nauseam is significantly worse in, in this format. Um, but I think there are still like a lot of the cards that are still just legal in the format that are viable. I think like in my Kess deck, there are a total of 10 of the 100 cards that are reserve list cards. And, th- and three of those are dual lands. And so with that being the case, like, does the format change that much from a CDH format? Now, the other piece that is gone is you lose commanders, right? But, you know, even in CDH, a lot, 
of the time commanders are more of a card advantage engine if you if the game goes long if you're not able to interact with the first comboing out like that's what Kess is doing where Kess is a advantage engine if i can't just win off of the cards i draw my hand and that's a lot of what tim decks are doing in cdh as well and if anything it actually lowers diversity by removing the commander because a lot of the non blue black thassa's oracle commander decks that are viable are viable because there's a commander that's not in blue and or black that's so powerful as a combo piece or having it available that it makes that strategy worthwhile like you know the the heliod mono white deck or the magna deck that both top aided the marchesa event which was a big cdh tournament a few months ago both of those are viable because they have their key tutor or combo piece in the command zone and what I don't and this is this is a big you know question too, right? Is is that that when I brought this up online is like, should this format have commanders? And do you want to recreate just commander 1v1? And there's like a French 1v1 format that is you know more comparable to Canadian Highlander, where like dual lands are legal. So I don't think that's where you want to end up. And that's what Brawl is in for for a standard card pool and or historic brawl for historic card pool on arena. And my understanding, and it's a little hard because on Arena, they like the way matchmaking is done is a little uh, screwy. But on Arena, my 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 experience when playing it and when other people have talked about Brawl is a lot of the time, eventually just the metagame gets down to three commanders are better than all the other ones. Like the metagame gets solved and the commanders, similar to how companions have affected modern, limit the variety of gameplay options available eventually just find out that like kenrith is better than everything else or you know and like five color good stuff deck in a 1v1 format becomes better if a commander focus is there versus regular highlander where the decks become a lot more diverse because each card choice isn't dependent on this so much more powerful than any other mechanic in the game option uh being in a command zone so to me when we've done testing and when we played formats like this i think the answer is to move towards a let's keep one piece of commander let's keep the singleton variant version of it because the deck building requirements of that are so much lower than modern you only need one ragavan you only need one solitude you only need one fury you only need one rented six if you want to play with those cards and you don't have to play with those cards versus going after the expense of going you know versus having a commander which i think brings a too powerful option to 1v1 magic i also think Going with a commander, if you were to play a commander, then this is basically just 1v1 CDH, right? Like if that that's like effectively what it is. So the question really becomes this. Like, if I was to say to you, okay, so here's your card pool for any of these formats, right? Ban list, no ban list. The initial thought would be, okay, well, the most powerful way to win is this, so everyone's gonna do this. But there is a metagame within modern that is diverse somewhat because strategy A beats B and you know, B, B, C beats A and so on and so forth. That's how metagames work. If a format gets popular enough, people build to make sure that, you know, they're all doing something different um, or at least some percentage of them are doing something different. Now, what do you get by going with the reserve list ban list rather than the modern ban list? Like what are the cards that you specifically are getting? Obviously, I mean, you get a ton. I mean, I was going to say like, you know, if, if, if CDH's main win condition is like, you know, Thassa's Oracle, we know obviously that going with the non-modern ban list does in fact get you consultation and it does get you tainted back. So that's something very significant that you get. But there's also cards that classically were really, really, really good in vintage or in legacy that slowly but surely over time have just been printed into modern. You know what I mean? Like a lot of those cards that used to be off the table 
you know, uh, whether you, whether you're talking like, uh, you know, I'm trying, I'm just trying to think of some of the, some of the best examples, but like over the years, the format has been filled up with things that at one point were not available. Um, whether you're talking anything from like a, you know, mother of runes to like, a, I, I do feel like modern is pretty full of great options. However, if you go with the modern van list, doesn't this just feel a little bit like modern? I mean, you played a version of this online against Rick. Yeah. So, so when we did the, when we, when we've done testing, we did so far, I've tested, I've arguably tested a lot in no bandless modern, though it did have the weird Highlander gauntlet version of it applied to it or no reserved list, uh, singleton, sorry. And then when we did the testing for this, we did current ban list of modern, modern. And from a gameplay perspective, it was a blast. I played Jund, he played Esper Control. Uh, we had multiple games that went back and forth. I mean, I love the, the Jund versus Control matchup in general. I think it's one of the most fun ways to play modern. Um, and like, it was cool because I had to find like weird. I like wanted to build as much like Jund as possible. So I like went real deep on like, what are playable uh, discard effects that are worthwhile here? Like what is... What is what is my third, fourth, fifth best Thoughtseize variant? And kind of looked at all the other different cards and that you can play and went through the history of Jund and which Jund cards that no longer see play or like are like on the verge of viable are worth trying out. Plus some of the new stuff and like, you know, bo- marrying Boomer Jund and Zoomer Jund into one deck and played with a bunch of uh, creature lands from, you know, because just you only get one Raging Ravine. So how do I follow up with that? And it, and the deck was a blast. We had a really good time. I will say, though, I agree. Like it, and some of it's marketing, right? From a gameplay perspective, I said I had a blast. And I think I would recommend playing this way to anyone. But to your point, why not just play modern? Other Like it's cheaper to get into. Like what's funny is I now have a deck that I could just play Lutri with in the companion zone and go to a modern tournament with because I can you can have a hundred <laughs> card deck uh, in modern right or if you build right. a different if you have blue or white in the deck you could just have Yorion in the companion zone <laughs> uh, and then your deck is like weird and singleton for no reason but totally fine to take which I think is a small benefit right anytime I've ever made a fun like for artisan for instance I would never unban a card in artisan commander that isn't legal in regular commander unless someone helped like really really made a good argument for it because one of the benefits i think to artisan is that worst case scenario if you have an artisan deck you can go play in any commander game it's backwards compatible so i think that is a benefit to this format if it is just the same ban list as modern or maybe additional cards are banned i don't think that's needed but if that's the case um because then your deck is always modern legal Outside of that one specific benefit, your point is right, though, is why play this format? What's selling it? If it, if the selling point, though, is that Birthing Pod and Golgari Grave Troll and Splinter Twin and Mox Opal and Seething Song are all legal, that offers a much more exciting version of the format while keeping it a relatively, you know, relatively underpowered or a medium power level format. I also think that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of strategies in modern's history that if you reduce it to a hundred card singleton, your redundancy gets a lot tougher. It's a lot harder to build a broken storm strategy. For instance, if you have to play a hundred cards, like you're get, you get one metamorphose right out of a hundred cards. Like there are, you you get you know you you certainly you get to play your ponder and your preordain if you want to if you're going to go with the the non uh, the non modern version, but you're only getting one of those cards. I know from having played in Highlander Gauntlet and from having tried to build Jeskai Ascendancy in that format how hard it actually was to build a Jeskai Ascendancy deck effectively. 
you know, even if you're talking about powerful cards, if you're talking like force of will and demonic tutor and like you get one of them, just like, just like you do in, 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 uh, (laughs) commander. But the thing is that in commander, when you're playing with four people, those cards, the power level of those cards is balanced out because you have those two other extra people to balance out the power level. So if you jump way out in front, you get punished for it, you know, but the reality is you're not going to start with soul ring in your opening hand. Most of the time, you don't start with soul ring in your opening hand. Most of the time when you play commander, it happens sometimes, sometimes you get mana crypt. And I do think, I definitely do think you would have a lot of people going, okay, I want a deck that's playing soul ring and mana crypt and demonic tutor and I want to be able to play Force of Will, and I want to be able to play, right? These are all the most powerful cards. I want a deck that gets to play all of these cards. And I do think that there is some amount of like the CDH template that's going to be that. But I also think that when you're like, okay, well, what do the most powerful decks do? And how can I take advantage of the fact that everyone's going to be playing this set of 14 cards, right? What can I do? What can I metagame-wise build that's going to be able to 1v1 take down somebody who is definitely going to be playing those cards because everybody does? And the question there just becomes, is there enough variety in your building and in your metagame that's going to counteract so you don't have to deal with a ban list? Because I would I would say that if you're going to go no ban list, modern ban list, like if you're if you're going to go modern legality, but no ban list modern, you may as well just go with the reserve list, like the one that we built the Highlander decks with. Yeah. Because the difference is just not that drastic. There's not that many cards really that make up the difference that are actually good. Oh, I disagree there. I think there's a ton of cards like Brainstorm and Top and I mean, Top's on the ban list of modern stuff. So that's fine. But Brainstorm, um, Demonic Tutor, Tainted Pact, uh, Vampiric Tutor, uh, actually all of the tutors, just tutors in general, (laughs) Um, which I think is a big reason to not let this format be that large one now. I think there's an argument to just look at the legacy ban list for, for reserve list and just take that. And use that as the starting point. And like sure. obviously, like reserve no reserve list cards plus legacy ban list is is the starting point for the format. I think is a viable starting place for that. Cause I do think I do think the benefit, because I think the negative of doing no ban list modern is you you have to eventually ban cards. And I have a list of the cards I would ban. So like slowly that selling point goes away. And then once again, you're just in modern, right? Like if I were and we can have Marshall type them up as letters next to us. Or I just have the image that I can I can uh, tag Rick in, so <laughs> Marshall and Rick can put it on screen. Um, but these are the cards that like I kind of got to where like these are the cards that need to be banned. I think Chromox would need to be banned. I think Field of the Dead would need to be banned. I think Ataxian Probe would likely need to be banned. I think Mental Misstep would need to be banned. I think Mystic Sanctuary needs to be banned just because it's so tutorable. I think Sensei's Divining Top would still need to be banned. Um, because of the t- same reason that like tournament viability goes out the window when top is a, a card that you can get. I think skull clamp would need to be banned. I think, uh, and then GT would need to be banned. And I think those cards collectively, like the rest of the modern ban list is probably fine to come up off. Um, people, I, I had to build trickery on there, but mostly cause I actually don't, I'm going to, as a masters of modern host, not going to lie. Don't totally understand how Tibble's trickery decks work. <laughs> They've never been had, legal at a moment where I could play them this in has any been format. To me so before. I've never, I've like always just been like, yeah, it's been explained to me. I understand that it's broken and I've never needed to know why. <laughs> um, so, I've never so that deck works. But beyond I that, think, I think. Sorry, I was going to say on the note of the cards you just suggested for the modern mm-hmm. band list version, I actually don't think most of those need to be on the list. I actually think that of the ones you just mentioned, there's like three of them that I think are problems. And I think the rest of them, I don't care. Like 
I don't think a taxi improv needs to be banned in a hundred card singleton format. I think, like, I think every deck would have to play it. I think I think the problem with hundred card singleton is you're it you I don't want cards like that. I, I think this format is bad if every deck just gets should play Gitaxian probe and mental misstep at like in Field of the Dead. Like these are cards that every deck should play no matter what period, not playing them is a mistake. And I think that's bad for a format like this to get started. I think that Field of the Dead, you have a point. There are cards on, that you name that I, I'm with you because I don't I think Field of the Dead, I think Mystic Sanctuary, those both I agree with you. If you were doing the modern version, I think if you're going to say that every deck that wants to play Gitaxian Probe and a hundred card singleton plays it fine, you can pay a blue or you can pay two life. Like it, it's not, it's the it, same thing with it, 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 Like then, it, then why not just make the, why not ban those cards and make the format 96 cards? Like it, it, it's, it's all of them become guaranteed auto includes in the format in every deck. Cause they would still be good. Mental misstep would be good in this format, regardless of what ban list you're looking at. I like don't like there's a reason that's banned in every format and restricted in the ones that it's not banned in i like i think it would be unhealthy for it i like and like some of these are like like skull clamp and and top especially with urza saga especially with all the different ways you can tutor for one drops and artifacts in the format that exist in modern make it so they're ostensibly a five of in your deck and they're bad like top is bad for tournament magic like it, it that's that is I think it would be fine from a power level perspective. Maybe I think it is a little over the line, but I think from a like, if the purpose of this is to let eventually get this format to be so popular that a GP would be run running this format or a GP sized tournament, whatever the future of that tournament looks like top makes that unviable. <laughs> right, that's what I was saying. I, I think certain ones I agree and certain ones I disagree. I, I would put top mystic sanctuary and field of the dead in the, in the category of, I agree with, I would uh, put GD's the, other... on the list, honestly, cause it's on, it's one of the only cards on the modern ban list that has a points associated with it with Canadian Highlander. And if Canadian Highlander is banning it and they have Moxin, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that card should be here. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I suppose they know something that we don't, but this, again, this is assuming that we're using the modern ban list, right? This, this is the, this is the this, modern. This is, this is, this is if, if it's the modern card legality. So everything from eighth edition onward or eighth edition and scars of Mirrodin or eighth edition of Mirrodin block onward is legal plus the ban list. And this is my list on the ban list. And, and to your point, I think a lot of people do disagree on what should be legal. And I think there's an argument for no ban list at all, but I think that you eventually will need to ban cards. And I think that if I were to guess, this is the list of cards that would be banned pretty quickly. And why go through the pain process that pioneer faced that sucked and not start with nipping some of this, but, and then over time, maybe you're like, you know what, let's try unbanning. Uh, uh, skull clamp and see how it does. And my guess is it's too good still. <laughs> so my this is this is what my gut tells me then. If you're going to ban anything, like literally at all, if you're going to ban one single card, then you definitely should do the reserve list version because it's way more interesting. It's a deeper card pool. If you're going to have to deal with cards being banned anyway, I would rather say to a new player, here's the deal. The reserve list is what's off limits. Mm -hmm. And here's the seven cards that are banned. Everything else in Magic's history is legal. You can play any commander card because that's the thing, right? The biggest difference between the modern version and the other is the commander cards. And if we're trying to get commander players to come over and get excited about it, there is a familiarity with cards that are printed directly into the commander format that you have that I have started to now finally get because I've played so much of it. But back in the day, when we didn't have commander cards legal in the old version of Highlander, I'd be like, I don't even know what that card is. Like, well, it's like, this five drop. It's really good. 
and, like, and eventually this format will have a ban list. But when the the it's a ban list built on the reserved list isn't legal. Hundred card singleton. This is an affordable way to play something that has a legacy feel to it, but isn't going to use cards that can ever lock people out of the format. I think that's viable. I think you're right. I think I I, I think one of the points of this podcast was to have this discussion and discuss what we think the best option is. And I agree that I think the best option is looking at no reserved list Highlander. We need a name for it. Currently it's TBD singleton. Um, I, 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 well, like every time someone uses Highlander, it's not used. And it's based on like a dumb meme from a movie slash book series. We should call it. Wait, Highlander is not a thing I've ever seen. (laughs) We should, it should be something to do with like noggles, probably. I feel like if it's going to be no, 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 no. We I, like I, I think I like as much as I want to name something else. I will say, after, with artisan commander, something I have learned is that you want a name for your format that is more distinct than other things that exist. And people are so confused by artisan because artisan like is a format on arena. And what does that mean? Like like calling this brawl would be a bad idea. So I do think it needs to be a name that is distinct from other formats that exist from commander to brawl to gladiator to single singleton to Highlander roulette to whatever. Um, maybe like it's gauntlet. I mean, like the one thing I like is gauntlet is that we like, it's kind of something we've already <laughs> pitched. It just, it loses the fact that it was a gauntlet because you were playing against someone's six decks, but you would be playing against it in a tournament. Uh, some, some key things that we haven't brought up for this format that are important. One is that, uh, uh, no sideboard, and that includes companions. So companions aren't legal in the format. Just like nipping that in the bud. No wishes, no companions. That's how Highlander Canadian Highlander works. That's how Highlander Gauntlet worked. That's how uh, just magic in 1v1 formats would be better if companions didn't exist. And I'm willing to sacrifice wishes and sideboards forever <laughs> to get rid of it. Plus, by being a 100-card singleton, you're given a lot more like audibles into one of two of cards that are going to be good against different strategies that I'm willing to uh, sacrifice the sideboard in this format. Uh, is it, is it best of one or best of three that I don't know. Part of me likes best of one. I think it's best of one. I, I think it's best of one. And I can tell you the reason I think best of one is the best. Um, we spent an awful lot of time when we were testing Highlander gauntlet learning that. Okay. So because in that format you had to, 600 cards, you had to have six unique decks, right? So what you learned was every single deck had to have a certain amount of ways against the field to not die against burn. It had to have a certain number of ways to disenchant things. It had to have a certain number of ways to exile graveyards. It had to have a certain like there was these basic things that every single deck had to be able to do so that you didn't just like unfortunately get rolled by a bad matchup. And so you would put incidental ways to deal with things in every deck, three to four sources. And like cards would bring on extra value if they could do more than one of those things. And it taught you to build decks that were like pretty good against the field, which is exactly what best of one is, um, right? You're supposed to be able to do that. You have to be able to play against anything. And I think it makes deck construction more interesting. And it also means that your deck can do a little bit of everything. And you have to be prepared for a little bit of everything. So you can't just chalk your deck stocked full of the best hundred cards that everybody else is going to play. You've got to find clever ways to deal with more than one thing with variety. I agree. I agree with that. I, I think, I think there's like, and so, so, so my goal is, is if it's not, if it's not next weekend or we didn't do it on Monday, I forget who our guests are for this weekend. Uh, we'll do a stream of the non non ban list. The cool thing about also doing the non reserve list is I have six decks and Ben has six decks already. I need to update them with modern day technology from stuff learned at cdh as well as 
just the last two years of cards being printed. But um, it is it is a format that I think is like really fun. We used to have such a great time playing it. And I think just bringing it to the modern era and making it a one player format is something that I think would be really fun. Um, I built a blue red spells deck on the airplane because you got me all hyped up before I went to Columbus. So was it I modern know, legal or, or the full ban list? No, it's the full it's the full list. Okay. And, and, and so for who, and those who want to participate, if you go right now to our discord um, or you join our patron that gives you access to our discord, I mean, you can gain access to our discord without joining our patron. But there's a, already an entire section designated. It's called Singleton TBD. There's a modern and a legacy variant on it. People are talking about this format and we'd love to hear your feedback in the comments here, but also there on what you think this format could look like, because I think it's a really cool idea and there's a lot of cool stuff you can do about it. But I think it's just this is the beginnings of an idea. I just think there's a reason for it to exist. I think a competitive 1v1 singleton format that takes a lot of what makes Commander really fun and the variance of that and brings it to a tournament setting should exist. I think like there's already been a lot of work done with Canadian Highlander, which has made um, a variance of this work obviously very fun. And then applying the same logic to why modern exists versus legacy to this versus that makes a lot of sense. And just like pulling the trigger now, there's going to be people in blood just like just reserve get rid of the reserve list no and when i say no i mean i don't want to talk about it (laughs) (laughs) because there's nothing new to be said about the reserved list uh bigger creators than us and larger parts of the community than anyone that we could speak to or anyone in the comments have ever have ever would reach have tried to get wizards to get rid of the reserve list and have failed i agree that it sucks that it exists I also know that nothing is going to happen with it. So we're moving past it and we're coming up with workarounds like this format, a non-reserved list, uh, you know, uh, uh, a singleton. What's a, what's a good, not like reserved list. So, so like other puns on reserved list or like that could be part of the name. Uh, like the reserve reservation could be the format, like, uh, reservation gauntlet or something. (laughs) Yeah. Reservate reservation singleton. Uh, no reservations no that's uh, <laughs> well yeah what is what is like walk in walk in walk in uh singleton <laughs> availability <laughs> format yeah, uh, so these are they all signed done all right so uh next before we get into uh, uh double masters unless you have anything else to say about that i want to bring in our patreon uh sponsored um trivia question so uh welcome to the uh patreon uh sponsored uh trivia question now uh this is previously sponsored by ultra Pro. they still are a sponsor of the podcast make sure to check them out they uh you can check out cool pride merch from them right now uh as well as just really cool stuff but uh because um, I want to give something to our patrons. We're now allowing patrons to submit trivia questions and as one of the patron tiers, and this is a trivia sponsored question from our patrons. So if you want to ask us trivia questions and or submit them to be possibly a part of the podcast, they're not guaranteed, but uh, be a possible part of it. Please join our patron uh, at the uh, one of the levels that's available. Uh, this one was provided by James Vaca, uh, and uh, they asked um, in the original Innistrad, there were x amount of cards that transformed and they uh, added a color identity to themselves on the other side so uh for instance they would not if there was a green one on the front 
because they flipped into something on the other side, they would not be able to play played in a modern a mono a single color green deck. Uh, mm. You have to you have to add red or blue or green or white or whatever color there is. How many cards in the original Innistrad set had you know color changed color, color identity mm. when they transformed? That's a tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, played so much of the original Innistrad. I'm trying to remember. I will give you. I will give you a small helpful clue uh, when you're, if you would like it. But you can keep hemming on hog. Oh, and so for those who don't know, the way this trivia game works, if you, uh, while Ben and me are hemming and hawing, you have to type your comment below what you think the answer is. Uh, and then if you get it right, uh, you don't have to do anything, but if you get it wrong, you have to hit that like button and you have to hit that subscribe button. Uh, and that's the bet you've just made by hearing me say this, you're now obligated to play this game. So, so, uh, the question again is how many cards changed their backside, had a different color identity than their front side in the original Innistrad set. I mean, it feels like they were all enemy colored. Could be wrong. feels like there was one for every enemy color though. Maybe. I think Garrick, there's a Garrick, which is black green. I feel like there was a black white creature. There was a blue red one. I mean, that would make sense. I'm just totally going down. a. am going to say. So then that would mean that so black green, blue, red, black, white. Red, white. Yeah, there was a red, white one. I know there was. I'll say five. Uh, so, uh, the, the hint I was going to give is that, uh, Dark Ascension had two, uh, cards that had different colors on the back than the front. And that was Elgis, the Binding Blade Ooh. and, uh, Loyal Cathar, Cathar, uh, to Unhaul Cathar. But, um, sadly, uh, the answer is four. I was uh, there so were, close. There were, there were, there was Garrick. <laughs> Garrick is the great one. Garrick Relentless transformed into Garrick, the Veil Cursed. Uh, you had the blue red one, Silva- Civilized Scholar, which was the looter that transformed into Homicidal Brute. Yep, you yep. had the white black one, Cloistered Youth, yep. uh, which transformed into Unholy Fiend. Um, oh, you were uh, close in that there is a red white one, but that is in Shadows Over Innistrad, and that is Avacyn. Uh, there is no oh. red white one in the original Innistrad set. The last one, the fourth one, is not an enemy card. It's Daybreak Ranger. Uh, adds one red pip on the back for its activated ability, making it a red green card for, for, for chloride. Oh, that's tricky. That's the Kibler card. Yeah. Yeah. Now, mind you, uh, if you were like, if you were like three and that was yeah. the one that got you, I'd like, let you, let you be mad at me. But the fact you that you get almost, five, I almost said four. One. <laughs> I almost said four. And my justification for saying it was going to be that. I remember in the original Innistrad into dark ascension, there was, the color pairings of the tribal types and the, and there, but the human was the last one. So it was missing. So there was only four instead of the five there should have been. Sure. And so in my mind, I was like, I wonder if it's the same alternative version of some sort of evil thing. I should say four. I should have yeah, just there's said no, There's no evil transformation for green white, which there wasn't, but no, that wasn't, that was, that would have been wrong still. <laughs> well, no, four would have been right, but yeah, that was, not not the reason why uh, um, Innistrad one question though I have a decent chance of getting it so I know I, I felt like this was well I didn't feel like James uh, thank you James and and uh, for being a patron and and submitting the question uh, the the uh, and if you if you knew if you guessed four hit that like button if you didn't guess four and you guessed some other number 
I apologize. There, there, there was some stumbling blocks, right? Because because uh, because of Dark Ascension, you could have guessed six, right? Because there are six total between both sets. Um, I played but, so much original Innistrad, though, that I actually was able to like I remembered the blue red looter flip. I remembered for sure the white bear who flipped like I, it was a turn into a three three that you lost a life at the end of every turn. I for sure remembered Garrick like. It's probably one of the draft sets I played the most in my life, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you're just like, oh, there's got to be like a red, white and a blue, green one I'm not thinking of. And they just they were eventually. I don't know if there is a blue, green transform card. No, ever. you had. they did some cool blue, green stuff. But it was like there was like um, I know there is there is a werewolf that's blue, green in the most recent yeah. uh, uh, in um, Midnight Hunt. Uh, so that 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 is. There is a there was like some blue green cards like Memories Journey that they did. And there mm-hmm. was like there was the blue one tra- uh, something footsteps trackers footsteps or something trackers instincts maybe. I can't yeah. Remember. Yeah. And then there's the land one. But oh, all right. So thank you. Thank you so much for our patrons. Thank you so much James for the question. Uh, and if you want to ask get submit questions for us to ask uh, for future episodes please please uh, check out our patron uh, patreon.com slash the cast. All right. Last yeah. thing we're going to talk about today uh, unless you have anything else with Highlander then no, I mean, no, I, I, I'm just I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited about the format. I appreciate those of you that have, that have listened through it to hear us talk about it. It sounds like we're on the same page that you and I would like to see a version of it that is the reserve list starting point with maybe a few cards banned. But I think you and I'll probably play a game against each other uh, sooner than later. I'm excited. I'm going to I'm going to go back to my old Merfolk list that I used to play in Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to see if I can build a Merfolk list that encompasses some red land denial stuff so I can play a blood moon in there and I can like just I'm going to play like a blue like 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 blue moon essentially but like merfolk blue moon I'm going to see if I can build that with all the free counter spells like I kind of have a sweet idea of how to do it so I might give that a shot tonight uh, when we're done and actually before we get into this last portion I do wanted to say a big thank you to uh, those of you that came out to Columbus uh, you guys are hearing this presumably on the Monday or Tuesday of the week that I'm going to be in Denver and then Austin this week. So uh, the first show of the tour was success. Columbus, uh, Nathan and Zach. It was awesome to meet you guys. Longtime listeners in the show. It was so cool for you guys to buy tickets and show up. I really appreciated that. And I'll be doing the same thing again in Denver and in Austin. So you guys can get tickets at BenBatementour.com if you're interested in coming to hang out. They're all like little private hangouts in a bar, coffee shop, whatever type of deal. And uh, I play a set. We hang out for a bit. And if you're in Denver or you're anywhere in Texas and you want to come to Austin, send me a message. We'd love to see you there. Um, oh, I remember one of my favorite names for the format, which is West Coast Highlander. Since mm. like Canadians have their Highlander and we're on the West Coast. It comes from Highlander Gauntlet, West Coast, Best Coast. I just I feel like that's that's where I'm closest. I'm closest to a West Coast Highlander or West Coast Singleton uh, is, is where I'm at currently. Uh, but uh, please, please uh, comment below with names you think would work for the format. But also, which cards you think um, should be banned? I think that's like one of the biggest questions with the the reserved list version or the non reserved list version is like, there are cards like the tutors, uh, you know, and, you, you know, to be honest, like demonic or Thassa's Oracle uh, that like definitely worry me and make me feel like it becomes much more closer to that format. 
and would love to hear people's thoughts on 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 what what they would what they would ban out of it. I think I think the goal would be to move it away from CDH if possible. And there's already stuff like ad nauseum being non viable, but but the, move there. The other last thing that I know people kind of have talked about is the deck size. I think you want to keep it at 100. I think you want to translate it as much as you can from Commander and going to 60 cards. You then once again go to like. Oh, we want to be 40 card. I've also played like like a, 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 the format um, Oathbreaker is a 60 card format and it is like cutting cards down to 60 cards in singleton is almost ho- harder than a four of format for whatever reason. And I think mm-hmm. that it is mm-hmm. also like you're then you're entering this the the consistency of regular 60 card and you might as well just be 60 card. Like uh, once you get to 60 cards, I think it, it becomes too hard it, it, the argument for being a different format than what exists already once again loses viability. And I think the goal for a new format is like, what niche does this support? And I do think non non reserved list 100 card singleton is a great translation point from commander players into a one V one version of magic. It loses the brokenness that would be offered by a commander, but it offers a lot of the same deck building fun uh, and ease and collection building ease that comes with the singleton format. And and yeah, I do think there's the and there's the eventual dream, of course, of if we could get this to ever catch on to you know transition into three decks instead of one. And there's there's a there's ideas. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one day the gauntlet will live. Uh, all right. <laughs> so have you have you have you paid attention at all to double master spoilers? Uh, I've seen. I mean, I've seen a bunch of stuff pop up. There's been some really powerful stuff popping up. Um, the biggest and most significant is Imperial Seal. I think that's probably the yeah the Imperial spoiler. Seal. Foil of Dockside Extortionist, Renin Six, Allosaurus Shepherd. Yeah, those are all big we're ones. All, we're all some big ones. Big, big shout out to Splinter Fright getting a reprint. Uh, OG, Ooh, OG Innistrad. Uh, one of my favorite cards of all time, I would say. Uh, and a card that I played in Highlander Gauntlet. What? I said it's a very flavorful card that feels yep. like it's your, your style and right up your alley. Like it's kind of a spooky tree. Oh, wait, oh, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of Ghoul Tree. You're thinking the three uh, drops. Winter Fight's great. I do love them both, though. Uh, yeah, just Trample Lurgoyf, right? Uh, you also have Venser Shaper. Like, a lot of my favorite cards of all time. Venser Shaper Savant, it was previewed today. Um, just want to bounce some things. Mall Drifter in a limited format is always a good time. Um, good. You have Teneb, my first commander of all time, is going to be in this set. So there's a lot of cool stuff. There's one thing that's going to be really interesting, and this will be more a part of our artisan conversation when we review this set, which is almost going to be the more interesting conversation around it, is the downshifts. Like Bounty of Luxa is now a, an uncommon. Um, a big one is the uh, is um, Dark Dweller Oracle is now a common. Um, so like these sets always have like big viability. Now the weird card. And Ben, I want to know your thoughts. Have you seen Cryptic okay. Spires? Yes, I have. I, I read about it. I did, I did the whole reading on this yesterday. It's it's an interesting design space to be in. I mean, like, it's designed exclusively for limited play, right? Like, that's like, it's it doesn't make any sense to play this over any other enters the battlefield tapped dual land ever, except for in limited. Right. But from like a new player perspective, and also, I mean, it, it is an interesting, like, any tapped duel is what you're getting out of it. Um, you know, it is valuable. It's cool. It, I think there's something really interesting about the idea that as we go further and further and deeper and deeper into Magic's history, the separation between limited 
and cards that are printed specifically for limited versus cards that are printed not for limited becomes clearer and clearer because like that's what you get when you have a set booster, a draft booster, a collector booster. We didn't used to have that. We used to have just boosters. So any card you open in a booster pack in theory was supposed to have some kind of like long-term equity in your magic collection. And, you know, people threw cards away, but a lot of us didn't. A lot of us kept every single magic card we ever opened because it's like they're all worth something, right? A card like this is like a checklist card, which is telling you this is worth only what you get out of it in this draft. And mm-hmm. afterwards, there is a strictly better option that's not going to have Sharpie on it. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine a lot of cubes adding it, right? Like this becoming a cube card and they like have some way for you to market. Like I've already seen people talking about Alter Sleeves, another sponsor of the podcast. Make sure to check out altersleeves.com and put in the code MMCAST when you're checking out to send us some love. Plus, we're going to have some cool Patreon exclusive Alter Sleeves coming soon. Bam, segue. Uh, but I can see like I've already talking about people making Alter Sleeves that have all of the different like 10 different color combos so that you can like slide them in and out or like you could very easily just get a collection of altar sleeves that have like the different guild symbols and just have like Azorius and like whatever yeah. one you choose, you slide it in. Um, or if you have a cube, just get 10 of these and have them to the side. And when someone drafts or have 11 and when someone drafts the one in the deck, be like, here's the 10 you can use for actually in the deck. Um, I think there's like cute ways to do that. Um, I, I think I, I agree to your point on like the checklist card thing, like from a, from a like actual viable card perspective, this is a, this is meant to just be marked up and like use once. And they've done it before with with um, conspiracy. There were cards that you were supposed to write on or or mark yep. uh, information. So I don't it doesn't feel that different to me than stuff they've done in the past. And if it's good for limited, great. Uh, you know, it, it's not it's not it's absolutely not removing the value of the pack when the pack can have something that's worth five hundred dollars in it. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, some I of the cards. Fine. It feels like this is pretty up there in terms of value, in terms of what you can open in these packs mm-hmm. that I can remember seeing. Because you mentioned some, like you mentioned a lot of the stuff, but there's also a few other cards in there that you didn't mention that are like, like Liliana the Last Hope is a good example of a card that's like just been kind of un, unnecessarily expensive for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's only that's a, it has one printing, right? Or two yeah, just if the, you count the Comic-Con exclusive. <laughs> yeah, there's like the one printing of that. You know, that's obviously a good one. Um, Teferi's Protection is another card that's had like very, very, very seldom been printed. And is just mm-hmm. the more popular Commander gets, the better that card gets. Bloom Tender, another card that's been ridiculously expensive mm-hmm. for a very long time. They may be on um, a secret layer, but secret layers have shown not to really affect the prices of cards too, too significantly. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. They're obviously going for it in the set. Um, And and even like because of the altered art formats of stuff, all of these commander cards from Grand Arbiter Augustine to Maldrotha to Mizzix to Xur, like to uh, Atla Palani, like these are really popular commanders that if you open up the altered art version of it is going to be worth money because this is the best version of that commander you can play with. Yeah. there's also like I'm assuming Colgan's command is in this set because Atarka's command is in this set, and there's going to be yeah. a Colgan's command etch foil altar border. <laughs> I want it. I want it. Uh, I love that card. The lieges are in this set that are like obviously commander staples, and the green one I've seen modern play. Um, yeah, there's just like so many cool, and then like you know the Eldrazi are in the set. Manavals in this set. Sensei's divining top and Phyrexian altar are both fifty dollar cards. Even the bounce land, the alt, have you seen these alter art bounce lands? 
maybe not oh they're at the bottom of the spoiler so it's all it's all it's all 10 of the bounce lands are getting a full art bounce land and i love all like bounce lands are a land that i will put into many decks even like a of course in titan decks modern staples right like these are lands that have seen a ton of modern play and then add that to commander where like adding one of these to a commander deck is generally worthwhile just because especially with the new kamigawa lands being able to return those lands to your hand to later use them as spells is powerful. Um, so I, I'm, I don't know every card, like every card they've previewed so far, I'm, I'm hyped about. It's really wild. Now there's a lot of expensive cards. In the set. It's so expensive. It's like $50 for a collector booster and like a collector booster box is 200 something dollars, but only comes with four packs. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. That's insane. So you get, but it's, you get two rares in every pack guaranteed plus a guaranteed foil. And like you spend 200. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> that's so yeah, nuts. Yeah. You get box toppers too? Or do they not do uh, those? I don't know yet. I, there might be announced box toppers. I forget. I don't, I don't know. Well, the chat, let us know, or not chat, but commenters, let us know. Uh, a regular booster box of this set is $320 for draft. And it comes with 24 packs. We have to draft that as an office. We have to get one. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. <laughs> Maybe if our, our 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 patrons help contribute, we can get that high. Um, all right, but yeah. So this, but like, other than the cost, which I do think is inhibited, but but even with it costing so much, I think that's one thing to remember with these type of reprint sets is the value. As long as they're being printed to some level of the band, which I do believe this is does have a limited release but it's not like once one print run we're done it's we'll print until a certain period of time and we're done but as long as it's like the other master sets there will be a chunk of these cards will become worth way less and like something like imperial seal being Mm -hmm. worth five hundred dollars means that cracking a box of this or cracking two boxes of this is worth it because you're likely to hit an imperial seal and then you paid for those two boxes, which means every other card you got in is now worth nothing based on the value of the two boxes you bought. And so I, I, we haven't done the math on that, right? And I know there's, I think, more mythics than normal in this set to kind of make that a little bit harder. Um, but th- th- if that is a true statement and you are able to buy, open these packs to hit those cards at that consistency, it means that the cart cost of these cards are going to go down. Red and six is going to go down. Dockside extortionist is going to go down. And the, if, if say like, even if Dockside, Ren and six, Allosaurus rider and Imperial seal hold their value, which already Imperial seal is halved in price. You can buy something that was a thousand dollars six weeks ago for $500. All of these other cards will become worth like, will greatly decrease to be worth almost nothing, right? Your, your, your bloom tenders are going to become worth, five to ten dollars where before they were 60 bucks it's crazy there are very few examples in magic's history ever of cards that are worth money being printed into mythic slots and new sets going down and staying down they almost always almost Mm -hmm. always end up going back up there's like the rarest examples and like i would say that like i would say that like a modern masters 2 um sorry modern horizons 2 and the reprinting of fetches there and all that's like one of the only examples I can remember where like fetches stayed low. They have continued to stay low. They like actually got the prices low and all the fancy versions and etched foils like have stayed pretty affordable. I can't remember other than that example of this happening like ever. 
So mm-hmm. it's usually a pretty good bet to if you there's a card you really want and it gets printed in one of these sets and it tanks, buy it when it tanks. It will go back up. There's, yeah, like just like and fetches have been printed like 19 times. So like that's probably the reason why. But like Imperial Seal, if you really wanted one and it goes down to like 350, buy your Imperial Seal now because I promise you, it's not going to stay low. Well, and 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 looking at this list, like cards that you don't need multiples of, like. Renin six is probably not going to go down very far because Renin six, you need four of them yeah. to play in modern. They're not that good in commander versus Doxide Extortion. Like Doxide Extortion is a different example because Doxide Extortion should be just in every red deck in commander, which means it might likely need to be banned. That's a different conversation uh, that I don't need to have a fight with the entire internet about. Um, but the like looking at the cards that are expensive when they're cards that are not a staple that can be put in every commander deck, but they're expensive. This is the type of printing that's going to tank their price. That's like, I'm looking at Allosaurus Rider, or I'm looking at Divine Visitation, or Allosaurus Shepherd, or Divine Divine Visitation, or some of the commanders that won't have altar frames. But when it comes to any card on this list that is a modern staple, then I think, then I think like price will rebound immediately. Modern any any modern staple or any commander any commander deck you own that is in this color should just play this are cards that will rebound. Any card that's like weirdly expensive but isn't one of those two things will depreciate in price. Any mythic in this set that is of high demand will not go down in price because there's not enough cards in the set and the mythics yeah. are yeah. hard to come by. How many printings <laughs> of Tarmogoyf was needed at Mythic before? If anything, and, for I would some ar- of them, like, and I would argue that it wasn't even the printings that tanked it. It was the lack of like tier one playability in every deck. That's not true. J- Tarmogoyf was in Jund, which is one of the top five decks of the format. <laughs> no, I mean, it's still good. I just mean like by the time it was printed into Oblivion, it also started to slip as the must play every deck card. That's sure, not, the sure. combination of those two factors were required for it to go down in price. I would argue that if Tarmogoyf was the most play, if, if Tarmogoyf was Ragavan, Tarmogoyf would be over hundred dollars again, but I don't. I don't think Tarmogoyf was ever Ragavan. Tarmogoyf yeah. never had the never had the spread. Maybe very early on when Zoo was a viable option in modern, but even then, that became Naya Burn very quickly, and those didn't play Tarmogoyf. Like Tarmogoyf saw some play in the third worst version of Splinter Twin. Like it was like Splinter Twin Bruhead was the best one. Then there was Jeskai Splinter Twin that was playing Wall of Omens. And then there was the rug versions that played Tarmogoyf. Maybe like it was as good as the Jeskai version. I don't don't know, know. man. Over the over the years, whether you're talking about like Jundex and then when Junk got good, like it's we're we're arguing semantics. The point the point is that card was heavily played and printed a lot. And it's still my, my, my point. My point is that it is still seeing a ton of play, and they printed it a lot, and it eventually became less valuable. You're but I do think boomer, what's you're gonna, just a boomer who loves Tarmogoyf. You'll never let it go. It, it's on. You could look it up. Uh, I will say with Ren and Six that my my point though is that I think that'll happen with Ren and Six. What happened with Tarmogoyf the first two times where people it would actually go up. I think Ren and Six will go up in price because people will open the Ren and Six and be like, oh, I need four of these to play modern. <laughs> yeah. But I have one, so now I can work my way up to it. Bef- like, that's what happened to me with Tarmogoyf. I opened my first Tarmogoyf. I was like, oh, now I have to get... Now I have the first one, so I'm going to be on the lookout to get deals to get my second one, and then get my third one, and then get my fourth one. And that's what Ren and Six is going to do here. That's all I was saying. Just baiting me into Fair. a Tarmogoyf is bad conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Goyf is like um, super affordable now, right? 
Power Gore's like 20 bucks. I finally buy myself a Goyf after all these years. I know, I know. Um, all right. So uh, that is it for today's episode, I think, unless Ben, you had something else to say. Please check out our nope. Discord. The conversation around uh, this format is the format we talked about in this episode is happening, uh, as well as just cool hangouts. People are looking for games to try this format out as well. Um, and you can help dis- you can help decide what card should be banned. Is the modern ban list or is the reserved list ban list the better way to go? I think on this podcast, we kind of came down to no reserved list. That's going to be our next stream we do on a 1v1 format. Ben wants to take me out with Blue Red. He got embarrassed in Vegas when I kicked his butt when 1v1 Commander, which is what started this whole idea. Uh, and uh, thank you so much to all of our sponsors from Ultra Pro to Ultra Sleeves to uh, Channel Fireball and uh, especially Wizards of the Coast and check out the Pride uh, shirt and the Pride Secret layer they're doing. Um, honestly, the shirt's dope. I like have been just like staring at it. It's got this really cool gradient effect between the colors that's like really, really pretty. Uh, and um, and it goes good, goes to a great cause. And uh, as but not least, thank you. Thank you to uh, Time Travel Media and our editor. And thank you, Ben, for, uh, you know, hanging out as always and hope you feel better. I'm feeling better. This podcast made me feel a little better. Perfect. All right. And we'll talk to all of you uh, on the stream on Mondays or next week. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.